Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Jasmine is a videographer, producer, photographer, music marketer, and more besides. Now she is creating her own music and her debut single is Garden and she has a forthcoming EP. Hi, Jasmine. Hello, Sarah. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And I'm very happy to be talking to you about Garden and also about your other work. Uh, But I'm going to start with Garden. And in fact, the first line of Garden is, all my hopes are growing roses. It's the, the very first line and what a great line it is. But I'm wondering if it's the first line you wrote for the song. Do you know, I think it actually is. And it's a very like romantic flowery line. And it just, it definitely was like just a little brainwave that gave birth to the whole song. I wanted to center everything around it. And yeah, I guess it was kind of the first line of the whole EP. Yeah, right. Well, that's a, that's a very significant line then. So how long ago did you write the song? So this was during COVID lockdowns, like the very first wave of them. Um, and it was kind of, it was kind of like this mind state that I put myself in into like this gratitude mode mm-hmm. to try and get through it, I suppose. But um, yeah, it was just at a time when I was spending a lot of time reflecting on like all of the things we are very lucky to be safe from in general. And yeah, so that was, that was kind of where it all began. It would have had to be quite an intentional thing, though, to think of gratitude at that point in in our collective lives, you know, the, especially you being in the music industry, there was so much that stopped, uh, even those of us who weren't in the music industry, it was hard to find gratitude, I think. So was that, it sounds like that was a very conscious thing for you to do. Yeah, I mean, I think gratitude is like my superpower that I'm always constantly trying to come back to. It's kind of the one thing that I make sure that I lean on um, to get me through all of the, you know, ups and downs that life has thrown at me. So um, in in every moment where it feels a little bit uncertain, that's kind of what I come back to is just trying to practice a lot of that. Is that something you've been doing since you were a teenager or since you're a child even? Yeah. So actually my grandparents, who I was raised a lot by, they're they're actually, um, my grandfather is a pastor in the Anglican church and um, my grandma has slightly more of like a spiritual approach, I guess you would call it, but she always um, spent a lot of time teaching us how to meditate. And so gratitude was always a big part of that. We'd do journaling after and we'd have to always sort of write what we were grateful for and I'm not a particularly spiritual person myself now but um I've definitely held on to that I think that's like the key takeaway from that whole upbringing for sure your grandma was very much ahead of her time then (laughs) she was teaching that to you when you were young before it was trendy grandma was on it (laughs) yeah she certainly was but it also tells me a bit about how you could manage the different facets of your life because if you learned meditation at a young age and had those practices in place it's yeah it's it's starting to make sense now Um, but we'll get to your other work I'm wondering when you wrote your very first song Okay, so I am I am the chronic writer. So even as a tiny child, I remember I think we went on 
holidays to a caravan park one summer and I spent the whole time just writing this book that I was determined was going to make its way to Dr. Zeus and he was going to get me published. Now, I think I was about four years old. That was my whole summer project. Um, But as soon as I discovered poetry and songwriting, that was probably like five or six. And it's just never stopped since then, honestly. it's I couldn't tell you the first one because there's just so many of them floating about. And did you play an instrument at that age or were you just singing the songs you wrote? I didn't. I nagged my mother incessantly for piano lessons, but we weren't a musical family whatsoever. So we kind of, we never got that far. Um, I think my musicality was just coming from really like spending every Saturday morning before Saturday Disney was on, just in rage and just being so in awe of everything that was going on there. So I kind of learned through like the digital space of music videos and everything. And that was my way of connecting with the future of it, I suppose. Yeah. Who were the artists you loved to see on Rage then? Oh my gosh, when I was tiny. That's (laughs) not not refined taste at that age, I must say. Um, Honestly, probably, I think it was like Spice Girls era. So probably a lot of that, but also... um, I'm going to butcher her name and I'm so sorry, but Bjork? Oh, yeah, Bjork, I think is a yes. I don't think I've ever had to say that out loud. Um, But, yeah, her film clips and her music were so, like, revolutionary to me and I just remember being like, what is this? It doesn't make any sense to me, but I was so hooked on it. So because you have now gone on to make film clips and great film clips for a wide range of artists what was it that's that do you think that lodged in your brain watching all those videos on rage well actually maybe the better way to say it is at what age did you think hey I can do that too I I don't I don't think I ever knew that it was even an option but I do remember like I have vivid memories of sitting there trying to dissect how they made these videos like I just couldn't understand how someone could be singing in this one frame and then suddenly they're over here singing so I was trying to figure out all like how shots worked and then I just was like immediately obsessed with the fashion and the lyrics just every every single thing about a music video was like cocaine to me it was (laughs) it was just so good for my brain and I I genuinely just had like such a obsession with it I would say music videos was like that was my thing yeah right I mean to make music videos you need to understand the music obviously it's not just a case of well he's let's storyboard something and I'll put together this tale and we're going to tell it through that you you need to really get inside the music so that musical part of you you said you got from watching Rage but as you started to get into your teens were you listening to different sorts of music that you've been seeing on Rage how did you start to enter the music industry I guess is what I'm asking yeah um I think well I've always been like super obsessed with writing as I mentioned so every sort of new music that would come into my world I was super obsessed with like going over lyrics I would just print lyric sheets out and so it sort of just became this process of like understanding what I liked about a song or a songwriter and following their little journey through their different album releases and I just I've always been like a very kind of like a data collecting person so I think just sort of like I'd always have my own little process of self-analysis about like what I loved about art and it just it just kept developing into a space where I got the opportunity to um, shoot a music video for a friend Emma Bow. Um, back before I was doing that I was shooting weddings in fact and 
it just made so much sense for like it being such an integral passion of mine to then suddenly use my existing skill set to go and do it. Yeah, because it's a different sort of storytelling to to creating a song and performing a song. It's visual storytelling. Often those skills don't go together. Like they're actually quite rare to have together. So do you sometimes feel like you're two separate sorts of artists, if that makes sense? Well, it's actually, that's an interesting question because for a long time when I've been working in the media field, um, I'm I would always say to other people who did film and photography that I met, that I'm not a techie person. Mm -hmm. And generally the people you come across who are the techie people are the boys of the industry. And I find that it is more of a female trait that maybe like we are in this industry because we are the creative brain rather than the technical side of it. I mean, I've since had to pick up all of that technical skill set, which is great. That's a bonus. But I think I definitely entered into it because I wanted to tell stories and that was one I mean, I want all the mediums. I want them all. So that's just, that just film and photo became a part of that. When you say you want all the mediums, you've actually gone about creating in the mediums though. That's one thing to to want them. It's it's actually incredible to to tell as many stories in as many different ways as you do. But I think it, on your website, the mission statement is never not creating. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's, Sorry, that's- go on. Yeah, that I would say, and that's honestly, that's been true of my entire lifespan. That's, that's really the, that's my little catchphrase for it all. So it's one thing to work with musicians because you're a photographer as well. And so you and you and you're doing marketing for musicians, but to release your own music is a different kind of project. And I would imagine a little bit scary because you know all these musicians now. So at what stage did you think, right, I'm going to create this song or this EP, and I'm just going to do it? Yeah, it's actually horrifying. (laughs) Um, It's the scariest thing I've ever done. Um, I think I just, I mean, I had been continuously writing songs, as I mentioned. And when I uh, was speaking with Melody and Michael Moko about producing a song, I just, I thought, I just want to put something together. I just want to make them real Mm. so I can listen back to them. And um, I'd been working with Melody for a couple of years at that point, and they were super excited to, Um, collaborate with me on that project and then as we got through the recording process and I could hear it and I was like well this is actually sounding really decent it's not as like awful as I just projected that it might be and I actually really fell in love with the entire process and um, what came out of it and after we'd finished recording I said to Melody I feel like I need to give this its best shot and actually like give it wings and we've put in all this hard work and I'm really actually attached to this project now so I'm just gonna give it the chance out in the world that it deserves I feel so I'm more I'm doing it for the songs Mm -hmm. because I feel they deserve it and so that's that's really what led to it becoming an official moment for me yeah well it's great that you started with garden because it does set the intention I guess you know because it is about it is about moving towards a, a life of light, I guess, leaving some uh, some darkness in the past behind. And that's, uh, you know, you make it clear, I think, that good things are happening to you now are the product of the light and the dark of the past. But have there been times, I guess, throughout your creative journey or throughout life when you haven't had that faith that things will turn out okay? Because the song does sound like 
it's hard one without being a hard song to listen to. I really, I love that wrap up. Thank you. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've lived a very tumultuous life um, to brush past it very quickly. And I think, um, as I said, the gratitude gets you through, but definitely, I mean, I, it's kind of my testimony from like uh, nearly two decades of living because I actually moved out of home when I was 15 into a women's shelter and I put myself through high school and got a great OP, got a scholarship to uni. And and it's just kind of a reflection on, you know, every moment from then up until now has been entirely me. Mm -hmm. And it is the seeds that I've sown. I've, I've had to really work um, hard and consciously for every thing that I have in life now. And I'm very grateful for all of my successes in my career and being able to do a creative job, but it's it's not without it being an entirely conscious effort. So I guess the song is a reflection on that whole journey. And I feel like I've kind of broken through to the other side now and I get to kind of have that beautiful moment of just looking back and thinking it was worth it. And, you know, um, you reap what you sow. I love it. <laughs> And you have this very celebratory Hey Jude ending, as you say in the description of the song, like as your your tribute to the Beatles, that you have this this lovely, it's not really a coda, it's, it is just sort of like the back half of the song. So it sounds like you you might have had a few friends in the studio with you for that. Yes, well, you'll, you'll hear uh, the beautiful Melody Moko actually took hold of that whole outro <laughs> part and she does a fantastic job. She's just... She's got the party energy down. Um, so that's actually one of my favourite parts of the whole record is her little yoo-hoos in the background. <laughs> I actually haven't asked you when you began singing. So I've talked about you writing songs, but but singing is a different thing again. So when did that begin? Yeah, um, always, always loved the singing. I remember once I was in church with my grandparents and um, a lady came up and she was like, I'm a singing teacher and you have the most beautiful voice. I'd love to bring you into lessons. And my, that was the biggest news on earth to my grandma. She, because she'd always been the one who wanted me to sing. She'd always encouraged that from a young age. And she was like, Oh my gosh, Jasmine, you've made it. A singing teacher is coming off at you a lesson, uh, which is hilarious. Now she gets to enjoy all of this journey now too. So, you know, we've gone up the ranks a little bit for grandma um, but yeah, that was, that's kind of like probably the first big memory I have about the singing situation, but I've always loved to sing it. I mean, it's been, it's been my biggest fear up until this point. I could never sing in front of a single person until we right. hit the studio. It was truly just such a, I really was convinced that I had nothing to offer in that department, but it's been, it's been super liberating to actually come through it and conquer that fear. Yeah, and you're obviously in good hands with Melody and Michael um, because, yeah, Melody's about to release her third album. I interviewed her recently about that and Michael, very experienced producer. But still that can have a, I suppose that can make you nervous as well. You might think, oh, my God, like they're really established artists. What am I doing here? Totally. The stakes feel so high in a lot of ways. I've I've said to all my friends um, it's very bizarre that, you know, I do have these relationships with great friends who I look up to so much um, in their careers, but also just their talent. And, you know, at this stage in my career, I should be busking on the street, not hanging out with a bunch of people who just are killing it. It's it's a very bizarre situation to be placed in. But I think it sort of sets the bar nice and high for me, which I love. 
um, to really rise to the challenge. And it's also just so lovely to have the support and, you know, words of wisdom that they can offer. I mean, they, they would do that for anybody who came to them, I'm sure, but I'm, I'm benefiting from being in their little circle already. So yeah, it's great. Well, I'd counter you saying that you should be busting on the street by saying back to you where we discussed how much you've been involved in storytelling and that's an essential part of understanding what it means to be an artist, particularly, um, you know, in the sorts of music, sort of music you're creating. So I think you have done your (laughs) apprenticeship kind of like postgraduate degree in storytelling with all the music videos. So by the time you got to the studio, you knew what sort of stories you wanted to, to tell. Thank you. I'll I'll take that. <laughs> and to go back to the point about meditation, because um, I was thinking about the different jobs you do, the ability to gear change, for lack of a better term, between creating music, singing, you know, songwriting, making videos, photographing the visual medium, doing marketing. I do think it, a meditation practice is really useful to help with that, actually. Even if you're not currently practicing, I wonder if it's something intrinsic in you now that you can be present with what you're doing in one thing and then move to the next thing. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's actually, it's not, it's not an, it's not so much an ability. It's actually like a very essential thing because my, my brain is very chaotic and being able to create, like as soon as I'm behind the camera or as soon as I'm in front of the camera, I just feel like that's actually like my bliss out place where you kind of lose your stream of consciousness and you actually are just so present. And that's kind of the only moments where I actually find that in my day-to-day life. So it's, it's kind of essential for me to have all these things and um, helps, helps for not getting bored and helps for uh, continuing to innovate, I think, because everything connects, everything interconnects. So in all these spaces, I'm learning different skills that translate nicely to the others. And it's just like a beautiful, holistically working uh, factory of things. (laughs) Well, you say it's chaotic. I was convinced you must have some elaborate software that you're using to schedule all of these various things you're doing. My phone calendar does the hard yards on that for me. That's (laughs) about as hard as I go on that. Yeah. Because you put a reel on your social media about Tamworth, the recent Tamworth Country Music Festival, and the amount of work you've been doing there creating videos and, and photographs. It looked like you probably had not a second to actually see any music. No, yeah, truly I didn't. I I, I got to see some music just from the shoots that I was involved in, thankfully. Um, but yeah, I did not I did not do the festival in a typical way. But honestly, I think I think I'm doing it the best way. I feel very lucky that that's the way that I get to do the festival and engage with everything because it's just, it's so nice to actually feel like you're inside of it and be able to move through it and support the people that you're working with, but also be genuinely excited to be there and, you know, it's just, it's a top-notch festival experience. Highly recommend. I look I don't get me started. I will go on about how great it is. Uh, you've also moved uh, into management because you have Calamity J in your management company. So that's that's another skill set again. Why did you decide to add that to what you're doing? That honestly, I just I felt like because I'm a bit of a multi hyphener, I just continuously my I would be working with artists on music videos or photos, and they'd be talking to me about oh you know, it's so expensive to do this, this and this in terms of um, release media and just help with, you know, the odd things that pop up along the way. And I was always like, oh, let me help you, please. I can do that. And it's just, I think that's just also another trait that I've picked up from grandma is that, you know, you just, 
if you have something to offer, like you just offer it willingly. And so I found myself doing that pretty much with everyone I was working with in some capacity. And so the Vixens of Hall approached me and we kind of um, wanted to formalize it, I guess, and just make sure that um, people knew how much work was going in behind the scenes um, with our collaboration there. So it's not uh, it's not typical artist management as such. We call it like creative services management. So it, it's a bit of, it's like essentially management, but just only sort of in the creative direction and yeah it's fabulous though I'm, I'm very happy that we can put a name to it now and yeah it makes it all flow a bit more smoothly yeah and the Vixens of Fall are terrific I have interviewed them I love their music so I'm sure you have a lot of fun working with them they are great girls yes <laughs> so amidst all this um different types of creativity there they, you know there's a danger of burnout when you're doing a lot uh, there's also the requirement to have some downtime for your brain so that you can create more so do you build in parts of your day or maybe a like a few hours here or there where you give yourself some time to replenish yeah I mean I'm also a single mum so we add that to the plate um I think I'm really good at working exorbitantly for a chunk of time and then Mm -hmm. I need a chunk of time to recover I've I've sort of tried to have the schedule where I you know do a nine to five kind of hours and clock off at the right time but I I can't work like that so perks of being self-employed um but yeah I mean I have I have definitely learned some lessons about burnout along the way it's serious business um thankfully I think I'm past the phase where I would let myself get to that point again now um mental health is like a really important thing for me to kind of conquer in my life so I'm always proactively trying to understand how to better navigate it and not let it have a hold of me. So the work-life balance, that's a big one. But especially since becoming a single mum, it's become super essential for me to actually do it right. And so I think this year I've been pretty proud, well, 2022, I've been very proud of myself actually with how I've done that. And honestly, the way that I usually let off steam I like to go have a few beers I'll be very honest with you Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> that's, that's my downtime but yeah I, I love being social so I just go out with a few friends we have a couple beers down the pub and I'm right to go yeah right but it seems like you also honor your own nature you know that you have that pattern that you'll work exorbitantly as you said and then you need the downtime that I think the trouble comes in when you deny your nature Yes, absolutely. And sometimes sometimes you don't have the luxury of the downtime when you thought you would if deadlines suddenly pop up. Uh, but thankfully, I've found that um, I'm in a pretty good spot with the relationships that I have with all of my clients. Most of them become long-term clients and we become actually very good friends. And that's nice. So we can always communicate, you know, our needs. And, you know, if I need a bit more sleep this day and we can push it back a little, like I'll always just let them know. I'm big on just being really transparent and like vulnerable, actually. You have to be, I think, as creatives. Because yeah. we all we all get it as well. Yeah, and it's also surprising. Usually when you ask, people are happy to do it. We often just don't ask. We stop ourselves thinking, oh, no, I won't trouble someone. But, yes, especially for you dealing with lots of different people um, or dealing with lots of different people. I don't know if I said that correctly, but <laughs> I'm sure if you just ask, they can accommodate you. Absolutely, yeah. Learning learning to ask for help. I, I, I have a saying, I'm not trying to be a hero. 
And honestly, I think I think we could all afford to ask for help a little more often. And and you know, it's actually it's a kindness to the people around you because it shows that you trust them, mm-hmm. um, and it shows that they are also able to reciprocate that. So, yeah. And part of helping other people, I think, is is putting out a song like Garden because it is a really uplifting song while acknowledging, as I said, that there it, it's coming from a place of of having had some some dark and light in the past. Um, and that is part of your job as an artist, I guess, is to provide that for other people. It's a responsibility as well. Um, now, the songs, at the time we're speaking, the song's about to come out and there is an EP. I'm wondering if you have a release date for the EP. Ah, we do have a release date for the EP. And I wish I could tell you that off the top of my head. I know the month. So <laughs> um, it is being released in May, in July, in fact. Okay. Um, so the whole thing will be out then we've got five songs um, and the EP is actually also titled garden so this is title track I suppose Um, but yes very excited for that and we've got one more single coming out shortly after garden as well and are you making your own music videos I certainly am (laughs) (laughs) I had had all these grand dreams and schemes of trying to collaborate with lots of different creatives and then it kind of got to the crunch and I was like I think I'm a bit too much of a control freak to hand this over entirely. So I roped in one of my friends who I used to work with when I shot weddings to do the actual filming and camera stuff. And then we collaborated a lot on direction and whatnot, and I've edited it. So it is still a collaborative thing, but I've just kind of still got my fingers in the pie, I suppose. (laughs) I think that's fair enough. (laughs) You have the skill set. Why not use it? Well, Jasmine, it is a great song. I'm looking forward to hearing the EP when that's released. In the meantime, congratulations on Garden and... People can listen to it. By the time this interview is out, they can go and listen. So it's been great to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time. I super appreciate that. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.